On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are stripping off with Kumail Nanjiani in Welcome to Chippendales on Disney+, Plus, uncovering an old crime with Yoan Griffith in the reunion on ITVX, and exploring undeath with Jacob Batalon in Reginald the Vampire on Sky Sci-Fi. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters, and also to 2023, a year that's already shaping up to bring a veritable feast of new TV to our increasingly square eyes. And naturally with me, as we dive headfirst into the new year, are the Batman and Robin of modern TV journalism. I shall leave it up to you to determine which is which. It is Boyd Hilton and Kay Ribeiro. How are we both? Did you have a lovely Christmas? Who's Robin in that scenario? I, I what would you say, James? I, I will. I would. I would not dare to weigh in on that particular question. I will let you okay, two fight fine. it out amongst yourselves. <laughs> I had a great Christmas, thank you. Good. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. What about you? Uh, yes, thank you, Kay. I am absolutely fine. I had a, a, a reasonably restful Christmas. Of like, but the thing is, like, my whole thing about Christmas is, I was like, oh, it's been great. I'm going to take time off, and I'm not going to have to watch anything. So what did I do? I sat in front of the TV for you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, that's what the time's there for. You have know, to just eat. It is there for. We did. Did you do another Expanse rewatch? Is that what you did? I did not. I did not watch this. I mean, we'll obviously get on to what we've been watching very, very shortly. But non-TV mm. related, like, did you do anything exciting that was not involving television? No, I did a lot of no, just TV, mainly TV watching, a bit of game playing, and then a lot of sleeping. When you say game playing, is this like yeah. is this like board games, computer games? Yeah, it's games. Like my nieces, yeah, it's on like- her friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I've been anonymous texting Boydo. Uh, oh, yeah. No, like, yeah, actual actual games. I get very competitive, it won't surprise you. And yeah, so I was playing a lot with my nieces. I didn't watch that much TV, but I did have to watch loads and loads of films for BAFTA because as a, as a BAFTA member, I voted in the films, <laughs> in the film awards. <laughs> so I watched a did lot of- Did you use of, the um, BAFTA portal? I used the BAFTA portal, yeah. And what I came away with though, James, is that um, TV, much better than films. Just, just generally. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's so true. So is that what you put Absolutely. for your vote? You put, none of this is any good. Watch TV instead. That was your no, official back of vote. I found enough decent films to vote for, but I have to say, in general, I know it's, I know it's a cliche, but TV is in a much better shape generally than films. It really is. Just that, like the, <laughs> the, 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 the bottom level you have to reach to, have to be an acceptable TV show versus that in, 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 in award, allegedly award-worthy, by the way, films is extraordinary, <laughs> the, the difference in quality. Well, this is damning. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could, I could go on about it, but I won't. You know, I did realise, right, here's quick my quick learning from watching yeah. all these BAFTA films, because a lot of them are like indie art house films, which is which I completely embrace, by the way. But the definition of an indie art house film now is is not edit, not uh, is really holding a shot for far too long and you know, <laughs> not cutting. Like, that's, that's how you can tell the difference between a normal film or TV show and an art house film or TV show, they'll just hold the shot for an inordinate amount of time just to show <laughs> they're being artistic. It's really annoying. Anyway, well, that, that that's a, how you show you're being artistic, boy. Yeah, that is the yeah. way of doing it. Universally yeah. acknowledged uh, sign of doing that. But what uh, what trainers did Father Christmas bring you? What um, limited edition had, footwear? Had, well, had he been good enough to get them from oh, Father Christmas? Question. question. No, I got my very nice Nike Air, Air, Air Jordan Lowe's for my birthday. Um, but oh, I did okay. get a very nice Ralph Lauren robe for Christmas. James. Oh my god! I'm just having images of Boyd, like Hugh Hefner, wafting around his flat. 
Please don't know, Ralph Lauren robe, not robe, ridiculous. Yeah, no, Ralph Lauren robe. And so, what do you do? You you sit there, you know, smoking cigars <laughs> out of a little cigarello yeah. holder or something, <laughs> sipping mint julep. <laughs> it's a bathrobe, for God's sake! It's not like a no, not it's, like a, it's, it's not a smoking jacket. I don't understand bathrobes. I've got to be honest with you. Like, I understand a dressing gown because you know people get cold, but like a bathrobe, it's just like just dry yourself. Like, use a towel. What are you doing? Like, like um, I don't no, understand really. what they're for. No, they're quite it, snug. It's nice. Yeah, it's snug. Yeah, yeah and it dries you mm. more much quicker because you because you, it absorbs the wetness the robe does so then you have to dry it really <laughs> way to into it <laughs> so, so just to be clear you just like you get out of the bath or shower and then slip on the robe and yes. allow yourself to dry organically Wait, while walking around no. your flat no, <laughs> no boy do you use a towel first right I use a towel but I, no, you yeah step obviously into the he's robe not an animal <laughs> I feel like if you've used the towel, you're basically dry at that point, so it's just oh redundant. God. What a conversation. I apologise. <laughs> That's where people tune in. People come uh, to the Public TV podcast for yeah. this kind of towel-based chat. Uh, right, okay, let's move on from this, because before we get into what we have been watching over Christmas, uh, we do have an announcement, because... Not only is today the first Pilot TV of 2023, but this week also marks the launch of Pilot Plus, uh, which is something that will allow you to have even more of us in your ears each week, for better or worse. Um, now, it is a subscription service, but before you panic, the regular podcast is and will remain entirely free, arriving every Monday afternoon. Uh, but for $1.99, $1.99 a month, you will get access to our second, slightly shorter bonus podcast each week, which goes out every Thursday. Now, why do I need more of you, you might rightly ask? Well, as you will have noticed, with all the amazing telly that drops each week, we often have to make some rather brutal choices as to which shows to cover. And we end up leaving some of the brilliant titles, frankly, unreviewed. What's more, and another thing people will notice, is the draconian embargoes that are imposed upon us have become increasingly unjust and common, which means we simply can't cover some of the big shows uh, because our Monday release date just puts us out too early. So with that in mind, as well as the three shows that we cover each week on the main podcast, Pilot Plus will feature one, sometimes two, additional reviews that either embargoes or simple time meant that we couldn't otherwise cover, which means you'll get more in-depth discussion and a proper review of some shows that we would otherwise have to either miss completely or kind of give cursory mention to in our Also Out roundup. But that's not all. That is not all, because we'll also be moving most of the post bag to Pilot Plus. Now, we'll still answer a question a week on the regular show, as we always used to, but this will allow us to de dedicate more time to addressing a multitude of questions and comments and not have it eat up, let's be honest, half the podcast. Plus, plus, you have also long demanded a spoiler section on the podcast, though admittedly, we seem to have spent more time actually discussing what does and does not constitute a spoiler up until this point. But nonetheless, we're going to be ending Pilot Plus each week with a special spoiler discussion segment where we'll take a deep dive into the plot of a show that we're watching for those of you who are also watching it uh, and it's going to be clearly signposted so you can stop if you haven't yet seen what it is that we're discussing but that's not all either that is not all either because in addition to that we'll also be dropping in the occasional spoiler special podcast which will be like tv spoilers to complement the movie ones that we already do on the empire spoiler special feed though i should say that all the marvel and star wars shows will still appear on empire they're not disappearing from the Empire Spoiler Special Feed, so there's no change to the existing Empire output. We'll just have the opportunity to take our pick of everything else on here as well. But guess what? That's not all either, because there's more, there's more, there's more. As a Pilot Plus subscriber, you'll get access to the Pilot Plus feed of the regular show, which is like a special VIP feed of the regular show, which will allow you to enjoy it completely without ads. And you'll also get the jump on everyone else as you will get the regular Monday pod first thing on a Monday morning without having to wait until Monday afternoon. 
And I think you'll all agree that for less than two pounds a month, that's pretty bloody good. Now, I was going to list a bunch of things that you could spend one pound ninety nine on a month instead. Except it turns out there's basically nothing. You can buy nothing for less than two pounds. Not even a cup of tea. You might might be able to get a lion bar, but quite frankly, with inflation being the way it is, there'll almost certainly be a fiver by the end of February. So you know that won't work either. One ninety nine then a month, just $1.99 a month, and you get the show early, you get it without ads, you get a second show every Thursday, even more pilot goodness, and as we go, you get spoiler special podcasts as well. Now, (laughs) before you go shaking your heads over what I'm sure you are ready to call a shameless cash grab, let me give you a tiny bit of context for all this so you can understand the reasoning. So, the economy being the unrelenting shit show that it is, you may or may not be surprised to hear that it is a, shall we say, challenging advertising climate at the moment. In addition to that, this podcast takes up a heroic amount of my Boyd and Kay's time, which unfortunately hasn't gone unnoticed. So a month or so ago, the powers that be at our company basically said that we had two options. We could either shut a pilot for good or put it entirely behind a paywall. Now, clearly no one thinks either of those options are a good idea. So we came up with a third option, which keeps the main podcast free. And while there is now a paywall, there's even more content behind the paywall. So it's hopefully a kind of win-win. Now, you don't have to pay for it. You can enjoy the main podcast, as you always have, for free, though not to put a massive guilt trip on you. We are kind of relying on a good number of people deciding they don't mind parting with one ninety nine a month in order for us to kind of keep the lights on. So, you know, there's that. But hopefully you will agree that one ninety nine a month is an absolute steal. You'll all sign up immediately. And if that's the case, then you can find all the details of how to do so at empireonline.com slash pilot tv and if you have any questions about it beyond that then do feel free to hit me up on twitter or instagram at james c dyer and i will do my very best to address them there that sounds fair right does that sound fair okay you have you have the look of someone who would 100 percent pay 199 to not have me talk to you but but assuming that you were a listener and didn't have to work with me you you'd sign up to that wouldn't you i mean i'm just thinking that's less than my daily coffee when i'm coming to work so I, well, coffee's i'd be like up for that. four quid isn't it so uh, that's yeah. insane my, my coffee's 350 which made me like reassess that and yeah, also think, expensive. yeah, sure, that's not too bad. Yeah, but you, I would say that. I yeah. would say that. Yeah, yeah, you would say that. You but would I just want to keep going. So, Boyd's shaking his head. Hell no. Boyd's, Boyd's having none of it, aren't you, Boyd? No, I think you should charge more. I think I think it's ridiculous. I think you should be like one month. Yeah. <laughs> Boyd thinks you should all pay a tenner a month. Yeah, yeah. that's what Boyd says. We need to keep Boyd in his supreme uh, gear. Yeah. That's I think true. One ninety nine a day. Right. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> what I probably should have mentioned it's one a month. Plus, you have to send Boyd a pair of trainers. That's mm. that's obviously the other yeah. part of the subscription arrangement. So, as we'll... part of the subscription, they should be able to get a poster of Boyd in his velvet. I'm calling it velvet robe. <laughs> that I mean, they can just have. That's as an additional a bonus. fair request, I think, boy. Would you be yeah, prepared so. to sign a picture of yourself um, in said robe and send it to every subscriber? I think so. <laughs> I Come don't on, think Boyd. That's Do it for the there you go. That's a that's a promise. Boyd has promised. He will 100 percent send <laughs> you a side no. picture of himself in this <laughs> bathroom, which no may or may not no be one redundant. Needs that. No one needs that. No one needs Everyone it. Everyone needs it, Boydie. Hmm. Everybody needs it. But enough of that. Enough of your bathrobe. Enough of the money. Enough of all the Christ subscription yes. stuff. We'll get back to that later. Uh, we have been off for weeks, it seems, uh, and that makes for a whole lot of telly time. So tell me, both of you, what have you spent the festive season watching? Uh, well, yes, because you wouldn't let us do an extra uh, podcast oh, here we in go. between Christmas and New Year. There's been loads of stuff we missed. A couple of things I'll mention on the Netflix one good, one bad. Ooh. Kaleidoscope. Have you heard of Kaleidoscope, guys? I've heard. Yes, but I haven't seen it. Briefly, Kaleidoscope, 
arrived on Netflix on New Year's Day, symbolically, I think, because it is a new, a whole new ball game in the world of television. It is Kaleidoscope is an eight-part uh, American drama series in which you can watch the episode in any order you like. What, what are you? Yes. What are you telling me? Yes, isn't no. that just like any procedural? This is bananas. <laughs> no, it's not procedural. It's one story. It's 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 a limited uh-huh. series, effectively. Although it could come back, I'm sure it will come back. Um, so it starts with you get an introduction, like a minute long introduction, when you click on it on the Netflix, and it says, "Right, we're going to give you the all these episodes in this order, but you can watch them in any order you want." And then, except for the final episode, which which is which will explains everything and the storyline climaxes with the final episode. The episodes are color coded; they're not numbered. So, for example, I started with yellow. The first, oh, God. The first episode no. that Netflix I'm, spat out is... at me. No, wait, hold on. Okay. <sighs> so the yellow episode I watched first, <laughs> and then the green episode, etc. And then it builds up to the final episode, which is the white episode. It's a heist thriller. No. It's basically, genre-wise, it's like money heist a bit, which was a huge Netflix international hit, obviously. And Lupin, yeah, exactly. It's got a little bit of Lupin to it as well. But it's actually really good. So the it, even forgetting the gimmick, it's clearly a gimmick, but it actually works because of the way the story is put together, I think really cleverly um, by the creators of it. Um, it's created by Eric Garcia, who wrote Matchstick Men, the film with Nicolas Cage, which is actually, I think, a really underrated mm. film. And they've, written, they've created it in such a way that each episode, ha- it, it jumps around in time. So the first episode I watched was set like six or seven weeks before the heist that the main character played by Giancarlo Esposito, play, plays. And he, he comes up with this heist to, to steal billions of dollars worth of bonds from a vault. And then I met all the, kind of most of the ensemble in the episode that I first watched. And then he then went back to an episode where he's in prison seven years previously. And then it jumps again to another. So it just, it, in the end, it just doesn't matter which order you watch them on because you're piecing together the different bits of the story and the puzzle and the characters and their motivations and how they met across these first seven episodes. Yes, Kay's got a question. Kay's got a hand Right. Up. What is the point? The point is that it's actually a really good show in its own right anyway. And yeah, I so think what it, is the point in like this sort of I think the point gimmick. is that you can, you can re-watch it. And why it? not give it episode numbers? I just find this just an irritation rather than anything. It, it kind of makes it feel more interactive. It's less annoying. Do you remember the Charlie Brooker... Bandersnatch. Right, Bandersnatch, which was really interactive, where you literally were making decisions, yes or no, as yeah. the drama was going on, which was interesting like as a one-off experiment, but I found slightly irritating in the end. This actually is, <laughs> is somehow less irritating because you're still watching whole episodes. It's just that they could be in a, like your friend could be watching it simultaneously and they could be watching it in a completely different order and have a slightly different experience. But in the end, you get to the same endpoint. I think it's a brilliant, like interesting, fascinating idea. But as a, the bottom line is, it works because it's really it's really well written. You believe in the characters. It's got a great cast. Giancarlo Esposito, Rufus Sewell's in it. Paz Vega, Jai Courtney uh, plays a complete twat. This Australian bellend. The ensemble, if you like, it's got a kind of Ocean's Eleven quality to it when he's getting the his crew together for this for this big theft. It's just it just works in in its own right anyway. So I really enjoyed it. I'm fully in favour of it. But it is it is genuinely innovative and different and bold. <laughs> The B word. But, Bold, lavish, but, all of these things. So that's <laughs> like Netflix. That's Netflix. Thumbs up, big thumbs up. You've done something interesting, different, and new. On the downside, this very morning, 
Copenhagen Cowboy arrived on the Netflix, <laughs> and I got up quite early to check it out. Right, Copenhagen Cowboy is the new TV series from Nicholas Winding Refn, the yeah. demented writer director of Drive, <laughs> the brilliant Drive with Ryan Gosling. But pretty much, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. everything else he's done has been not like as good as Drive. He did a terrible Fair. TV series for Amazon Prime a couple of years ago that I endured, and it was unbelievably tedious. This is even worse. <laughs> this is like the most indulgent, bullshit, arty, self-consciously pretentious, would-be David Lynch bollocks show <laughs> I've ever seen. I sat through like the first two episodes. I was like, oh my God, it better just, it better just hurry up. And it's got like everything he does is like bathed in neon lighting and it's all blue or orange. He's got like his signature look, which is basically ripped off from David Lynch. And the characters just stand there, literally like staring into space. There's one bit, I kid you not, where a character literally stares at the wallpaper uh, like he's it's, it's watching paint dry and, you know, <laughs> like he's pondering the wallpaper for about five minutes. At that point I made earlier about the art house Artie. films, you can tell art mm. house because every shot is, goes on for too long. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, the TV drama equivalent, every single shot goes on for ages and every scene goes on five times as long as it needs to. The whole storyline could be wrapped up in about half an hour. It's all set in a brothel and it's horrible. He's obsessed with brothels and women being abused, <laughs> you know, sex exploitation and nasty pig-like. There's literally, uh, the only scene is set in a piggery and then a few minutes later what? some... Yeah, large man is having sex, and there's literally pig-like noises. It's not subtle. It's not subtle either. <laughs> it is honestly terrible. One of the worst things I've seen in a long time. And I do think we'll get onto news later about Netflix and cancellations and stuff. But I do Indeed. sit there. I sat there thinking, why have you put money in this thing and given this indulgent guy, you know, presumably leave to do whatever the fuck he wants and to make this really boring, pretentious series, six-hour series? when you're cancelling good, perfectly good shows left, right and centre. So it made me quite angry in the end, anyway. That's what I've been watching, really. Yeah, quite exhausting. I'll talk about Servant later and what we've been watching. We've also been watching New Servant, but we'll do that in what else is on later. I want to jump in very quickly before I do mine. Sorry, Kay, I, I need to ask Boydie a question. This is that before we left, before we left, obviously we weren't able to to cover Treason, speaking of Netflix shows. Um, and Treason was on with Charlie Cox uh, and Olga Kurilenko. And uh, you were you were you encouraged me to watch it, and I sat down. And I was very much looking forward to watching oh, it. Sorry. And I thought this is exactly what I want. <laughs> sorry. Boiding. Boiding. It's terrible. Boiding. Uh -oh. It's terrible. What are you oh, doing? No. <laughs> Why did you make me watch that? Uh, uh, this was summed up for me perfectly because the Hollywood Reporter, in a review, said, said, if J.J. Abrams made Alias, mm. this is C plus Lias. Oh, <laughs> Which that's good. I just enjoyed enormously. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. So, that's a good line. I would call it D minus Leos, but that's just me. Oh, uh, I yeah, I didn't I didn't like it at all. And I've got a lot of time for Charlie Cox. I really do. But mm. I just it just seemed such nonsense. Like it seemed to tie itself in knots to have characters do things that made absolutely no sense. And it just had this slightly slapdash feel to it, instead of feeling like, you know, very polished. Because like when you like an espionage really, you really want to feel very kind of polished and just the right side of believable. So it's it's obviously it's heightened its intent. You don't want it to be actively believable or you just see spies doing paperwork in their offices all day. Nobody needs that. But but you know you want it to be that you can believe that this maybe possibly could happen. And I was just watching this going, what is this? I watched the first episode and i was like no 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 boydie said it's really good i'm gonna press on i'm gonna press on i watched the second episode, episode was and fun, the second episode it? was 
the first episode had a lot of potential. Yes. Right. I went to a screening of the first episode. Yeah. So uh, that's what got right. me into okay. it. Okay. So yeah, actually the first episode, to be fair to it, is not bad. Like it's not great, but it, it, it has potential. Like you think, oh, actually, if this goes, you know, in the right direction, this could be good. The, Listeners, it does not go in the right direction. Episode two is all over the shop, and I never made it to episode three. So, no. Sorry, Charlie. Sorry, Treason. But absolutely not. Should have stuck with Warrior on Netflix. Anyway, Kay, <laughs> before I get onto <laughs> other things, what have you been watching? Uh, so, over Christmas, I binge on um, Happy Valley. Now, I hadn't finished the whole of the second season. And so I thought, in anticipation of the third, I watched all of them just back to back over two days um, before um, the third series started. And obviously, I do you know what? A lot of people have been complaining about the fact that they haven't just dropped it in one go. But I think it's a, I think it's a brilliant thing. It's like my treat at the end of getting through the week. I know we could watch it in advance. I've chosen not to. I'm just watching it every week. And yeah, so I'm just loving that and loving um, the fact that Jesus is Tommy Lee Royce's hair inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's very fitting. So enjoying that. Emily in Paris, I binged on as well, which I know neither of you watched, but I did. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thought it was good. I think it's probably reached its, it's got a shelf life now. And I don't know how much longer it's going to go on for, but because, you know, James, as I'm sure you're aware, the Emily and Gabriel love triangle thing can only go on for so long. Unbelievable. Am I right? Am I right? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, but obviously Sylvie is still my icon and then I've been very late to the party with ghosts as Boyd has teased me about earlier this week but I've been lapping it up so I've been um, I think I'm on season three now so that's an old it's a revisit but Christmas seemed the perfect time just to be clear yes UK ghosts not American ghosts yes of course UK yeah good Katie Wicks and Jim Howard. Howard I mean, having said all. that, if you're on yeah. the third series, it would have to be the UK one. But nevertheless, uh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> what about good. you? <laughs> uh, so, so I, I was, I took the time to fill in together. So I watched all of Jack Ryan because obviously Jack Ryan dropped while we were away, uh, and I enjoyed that. If, if we're going to talk about polished espionage shows, this is one. Treason is not. Like again, it, it's not perfect. It's not brilliant, but it was really. I really enjoyed it, and like I had it on while I was wrapping presents, you know, and while I was doing stuff. And but I really, really liked it. Like it's, it's Jack goes rogue. He goes on the run. It is very polished. It looks like it costs so much money, which I'm sure it does. He's globe trotting. He's here and there. He's in this country. He's in that country. There's there's nuclear bombs. There are trains. There are helicopters. Like they throw oh, wow. everything at this. They've thrown everything at it. Yeah. They really have. They really. I'm still not convinced by John Krasinski as this genius. Navy SEAL, martial arts master, one-man army type. But sure, do you know what? I'll roll with it. I, I had a good time. I had a good time with Jack Ryan season three. And season two had kind of lost me. I liked the first one. The second one I didn't enjoy as much. So I was a little bit sketchy going into it. But what's quite interesting about this one is that the whole thing is about sort of, it's about Russian identity. It's reasserting the kind of the, the Soviet Union beast. You know, it's about reasserting Russian power in a period where, you know, the Russian identity, it's very topical is what I'm saying. And so much so that they kind of anchor there are a few lines in it which actually make you think oh is this deliberately because it's set in a time where russia has recently invaded ukraine and they talk about the russian president and various things as it turns out it's not putin because it's semi-fictionalized but it's it's like almost like a parallel russia which takes place very much in the now so it felt really really relevant really timely uh, and i thought that was that was a nice touch as well so uh yeah w- well worth seeing jack ryan season three uh what else did i watch i watched all of karen Pirry boyd 
Oh. which I did not finish first time around, but I remember you saying yeah. it was one of your shows of the year. And I was like, Do yeah. you know what? I should give that another go because I actually did enjoy it. But because the episodes, and there are only three of them, but they are all feature length. Because they were so long, I was like, I can't face another feature length episode. But actually, it's brilliant. So I'm really, really yeah. glad that I went back to that. So it's like the whole thing is, you know, it's like four and a half hours long. But uh, but it's it's well worth it. I thought, uh, I thought it was really, really good. So enjoyed Karen Perry a great deal. Didn't see that ending coming at all. Thought it was great. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to see more yeah. from 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 DS Perry in the future, if at all possible. And the last thing I watched was 1883. So not 1893 and not 1923, but 1883. So or 1899. Or 1899. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, so it's 1883, not 1899 and, ni- and 1923. I get very confused with all these date films, <laughs> uh, date shows. And so, didn't they change so, so, the date of one of them? Didn't they change the title of 1923- I believe originally 1923 was going to be like 1933 or something. Oh, and they decided to bring it forward back or whatever by 10 years. Why? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, that's Carry wild. What I don't understand is why they don't call it Yellowstone 1883 and right, Yellowstone 1923, which would make so much more sense. Because mm. unless you know, there's no way of knowing that this is tied into the Yellowstone mm. series. And so much so that, as I understand it, not watching main Yellowstone, but the uh, like the characters from this appear in an episode of main Yellowstone as well, because they kind of they tie it in as they often do with spin-offs. They tie it into the main show. Do you feel like you have to watch them, Boyd? Do you think you have to watch the main Yellowstone before watching this? Because no. I don't know where. where no. Okay, no, no, no. It takes place sometime before, as the title <laughs> obviously gives away. <laughs> which but, which one shall I go? Which one shall I watch if I have to prioritize? Well, see, that's the thing. I don't really know because I don't watch the other ones, and I haven't haven't watched nineteen twenty three because I've now determined to do this whole thing in chronological order. But I enjoyed this whole Oregon Trail frontiersman story completely independent because I don't think it's really related to Yellowstone. Basically, the whole show is about how they end up founding the Yellowstone Ranch. But it's a, it's a limited series. It's just ten episodes, uh, and it's all about them trying to make this this sort of pilgrimage across the U.S. to Oregon. And obviously, if you know where the Yellowstone Ranch is, you'll know where they ultimately end up. So you know, spoiler. But uh, it you know it's it's really really good. I think Sam Elliott obviously is brilliant in everything. He's the most natural Western person in the world. Tim McGraw is really good uh, in the role of James Dutton. But you've got Faith Hill in it as his wife, and then also the kind of who's the main character is Isabel May, who plays Elsa Dutton. Uh, uh, which is his daughter. The only thing I will say about this this series, which I was slightly unprepared for, having watched a bit of Yellowstone, is it is so unrelentingly bleak, <laughs> and I just didn't see that coming. Uh, like it, it starts off as oh, so, oh, you've died. Oh, well, you've killed yourself. Oh, and you've died as well. Brilliant. Oh, and you've all been massacred and murdered and raped. Brilliant. Okay. Oh, and you've been set on fire. Great. Brilliant. Oh, and you've been bitten by a snake. Fabulous. <laughs> oh, and you've fallen off a horse. Like it's genuinely, it's like it's one thing after another after another. It starts very early doors. The first episodes are pretty bad, and you think, oh, you know, they get through these things and it will be. But no, it just gets more and more depressing as it goes along. And I swear to God, the last few episodes, I was like. Jesus Christ, can no one get a break in this show? Like, it was quite the ordeal. But I did really enjoy it. So I kind of feel like if whether you do or do not watch Yellowstone, there's actually a lot in 1883 to enjoy. But don't expect a laugh riot. That's what I'll say. I know, I know you're very anal about these things. That's which is a nicer word for what you are. But, um, <laughs> but I'm surprised. Thank you, yeah. Considering 1923 has Harrison Ford in it, I'm surprised yes. you didn't go straight to 1923. Well, I already started 1883. Oh, I'd already okay. watched a few of them. And I kind of thought, well, I want to finish it. And there are right. only 10 episodes. It's a limited series, so one and done. Whereas 1923 is going to be two series. It's going to be, I think it's two seasons of eight episodes. Are they uh, out of length? 
Uh, well, they're kind of uh, well, yeah. So, eighteen eighty-three, they're all about fifty-four minutes, I think. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they're uh, basically uh, an hour. Okay, I was right, by the way. Listen to this. It was announced in February twenty twenty-two that a Yellowstone prequel series had been ordered, titled nineteen thirty-two. But that would be the succeed the series eighteen eighty-three in June. The title was renamed to nineteen twenty-three. It's mad. No, but I wonder if someone just got that wrong. Like someone who's like I don't know, dyslexic, just accidentally got that wrong in the press release and it just went out. <laughs> That's I mean, my suggestion. Or they just suddenly thought, oh, maybe we're in the wrong era here. We should just bring it forward a bit. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Mad. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> wild. I need to watch 1923. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just need yes. to watch yeah, Well, I need to watch that as well, again, because Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren are in it, so it kind of it feels like it needs to be watched. But, uh, you know, at this point, I feel like I'm just going to watch the spin-offs. But I did, you know, I, did, I, I annoyed you by watching the most recent series of, of uh, Yellowstone out of order, having not finished earlier seasons. Yeah, oh, that God. is weird, though. I'm with James on that. No, yeah. Yeah. it's fine. That's, it's fine. The, that's, but, that's the mark of a sociopath, Boydy. But <laughs> the brutality of it is absolutely one of the main reasons people love it. it like a lot of murder and death and people being thrown off cliffs and, you know, it, it's oh, the God. immorality of it and the, or, or, you know, the kind of, yeah, that slightly twisted violent element to it that I think is one of the reasons why people love it so much. So I'm suddenly reconsidering whether I'm going to watch this. Well, and so am I, but for the other way, I'm going the other way. I think, oh, maybe I do want to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see. It's uh, it's on the list, but as I said, it is a long list. Right, that is what we've been watching over Christmas. We will be talking a bit more about other things we've been watching in Pilot Plus when we'll be getting a deep, deep dive spoilery chat on the first two episodes of Happy Valley. But before that, let's have a listen to question. And this week's listener question comes from John O'Forward. He says, post-bag question, I'm very much enjoying the latest series of Slow Horses, and Amy Fionn Edwards is definitely a candidate for a TV 27 percenter, crossing the streams with Empire Slightly. Who else would you put in that category? Now, I shared this question with Kay, and she responded quite understandably <laughs> with, I don't know what you're talking about. What does any of this mean? So let me try and put this in context. So we have a long-held thing on Empire that there are such things as 27 percenters, and they are actors, almost always character actors, and their appearance in a film or a show increases the quality of said film or show by roughly 27 percent. So they bring an element of class, of quality to whatever it is they're in. They're probably not the lead. They probably just turn up. They're probably in a supporting role, but they are there for a reason and they make you want to see it. So, for example, and yes, I may be slightly biased here, but Shore Agdashlu for me is 100% a 27%er. At this stage, I will watch almost anything that Shore Agdashlu is in. She is, of course, Christian Avasarala from The Expanse, but she's lots of other things as well. And she has one of the best voices ever. She voices one of the characters in Arcane because she has this incredibly sort of deep, gravelly voice. Uh, and she's in the upcoming uh, Renfield, the sort of uh, Nick Cage as Dracula, sort of Renfield focused. Uh, film that's coming up so she's in that in fact the trailer for that i believe drops today another one beth if were she here would say almost certainly murray bartlett is 100 percent a 27 percenter and we will put that to the test later on in this very episode because he appears in a show and may or may not uplift its quality by around 27 percent. but who would you guys pick as your kind of go-to quality character actors well i struggle with this and then i cho i've chosen someone who i suspect you're not going to allow can jennifer coolidge count of course of course oh, she allowed. Of course her. she's yeah. allowed. She's she an makes excellent everything choice. better. Yeah, she, she makes everything better. Like um, Mike Bartlett. Yeah. So I'm choosing her. Okay. And just just look to the evidence of White Lotus. Yes, that is fair. You know? That is fair. Yeah. Boyd, who did you choose? Yeah, she's a good shout. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? This whole question of um, I'm sure you've discussed this on the Empire uh, podcast, Valen. I know you have that. That actors don't consider themselves to be character actors or 
you know, lead actors. They just consider themselves to be actors. Well, some do. Some do. Some will say yeah. they're character actors. Um, like they're, you know. I think it's increasingly rare. I think they like to be. But in fact, Coolidge is an example of Jennifer Coolidge is an example of. She, I guess she was a character actor. Yeah, she was like you know she was that eccentric figure in the American Pie movies, etc. And then brilliantly, Mike White gave her this effective lead role in as much as there is a lead in the ensemble of the White Lotuses, and giving her this magnificent you know juicy role to get into. I guess that is like the character actor turned into the lead actor. But yeah, I I, I accept the premise of the, of the uh, of the question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but in Slow Horses as well. Alongside her is uh, Kadif Kirwan, who is a friend of mine, but he pops up as the new character in Slow Horses Season 2. He was also in Chewing Gum, and he was hilarious in Chewing Gum. He was brilliant in Fleabag. He was in The Stranger, the Harlan Coburn series. He is a really good 27%, definitely. He adds a lot. And he's in a, a new show coming soon, a new Channel 4 comedy coming soon, which I've seen and is very good, which I'm sure I'll be reviewing any week now. I would, Fiona Shaw is for me oh, like yeah, an absolute legend. Killing Eve, she stole, totally stole the show in Killing Eve. Mm. She then went on to steal the show in Andor. She's absolutely fantastic in Andor. She was brilliant in Baptiste. Do you remember that, the, um, the BBC One crime drama, Baptiste? She the missing like, spinoff. Yeah, the missing spinoff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And she was like had this brilliant kind of uh, spiky relationship with Baptiste himself. She was in Fleabag as well. Like everyone's in Fleabag. She was she yeah. was brilliant in that. She just she's genuinely phenomenal in every single thing. And she's also in the Brian De Palma film The Black Dahlia, which is terrible, by and large terrible. And I say that as a huge Brian De Palma fan. She is absolutely off the charts, demented in that film, and completely hilarious and well worth checking out if you haven't seen The Black Dahlia. Dahlia? Dahlia? Uh, I was also going to mention Siobhan Finneran of Happy Valley fame, who is... Um, oh, the sister, yeah, she's a great shout. She's brilliant. Uh, and, you know, really is so important in, we'll, I'm sure we'll elaborate more in our spoiler special discussion on the new Pilot TV Plus, is that what it's called? Uh, podcast um, feed, <laughs> etc. But Always on message, Void. Always on message. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's amazing in Happy Valley. And, and, and uh, because she's not the lead role, which probably doesn't get as much kudos, but she's so perfect in it. And she was in The Syndicate, A Confession. She's in loads of kind of like, she's been in loads of like supporting roles in crime dramas, in ITV she's dramas. She's in... Um- yeah, and also in com- she's in Alma's Not Normal, isn't she? Right, yeah, she's in Alma's Not Normal. She was really brilliant. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normal, she's yeah. the yeah, yeah, which is a working class, quite gritty comedy. So James couldn't sit through it, but she's brilliant. In <laughs> well, that. She, she was in Downton. James likes Downton, Downton, isn't he? I do yes. like Downton. Yes, that's true. Yeah, she's yeah. fantastic in Downton. Yeah, talking of Downton, Kevin Doyle, who was Mosley, mm-hmm. Molesley in Downton, he's brilliant in lots oh, of different things. Yes, he yes. always pops and up. Was in Happy Valley. He was in Happy Valley, right? He and was he in Happy Valley. Plays mm. kind of put upon as he is in Downton. Kind of, a, he's got that put upon face, you know, like yeah, you're really rooting for him. He's always one second away from either having a heart attack or a nervo, like <laughs> yeah, you completely. said, you know, when you're yeah. watching him on screen. Yeah, percent. Yeah, but he's brilliant. And my final suggestion is Alan Armstrong, um, who got has the best kind of lived in worn face if you google him you'll, see, you'll instantly recognize him <laughs> but he, he is i'd hate to mention the show but he is in breeders he is paul's father right um you know he's the dad he's he's um he's his dad and he's fantastic the two of them together the mum and the dad um, i actually think is, the mum i think the oh the mum is genius yeah Ab- the mum is the best yeah. funniest person on tv but alan armstrong has been doing character roles for literally decades 40, maybe even 50 years, I think, and pretty much has stayed the same for like, you know, he must be nearing 80 or something now, but he's kind of looked the same for about the last 50 years and is always 
um, enlivens any film or TV show he's been in. So yeah, Alan Armstrong's a legend. Okay, mm. good choices. Good. I mean, there are so many. There are so many people. Like J.K. Simmons is kind of like he. He's. I mean, he's led. He's, he has lead roles. He has uh, like in counterpart. He's fantastic in counterpart in both lead roles. He's had two lead roles in counterpart. Uh, Alan, do you remember Alan Dale? That and I not. Do you remember Alan Dale? Of course, you remember Alan Dale, like Jim Robinson from Neighbours. But do you remember that oh, period yeah. in the early yes. noughties when Alan Dale was in everything on television? Yeah. Like yeah. he was Anthony Betty. He was in 24, like you name it, you turn on TV and Alan Dale will be staring back at you. Mm. Like it was absolutely ridiculous. But he was one. I was like, oh, good. It's Alan. Good. Good. Nice to see you doing stuff. I forgot all about him. Mm. (laughs) William Fickner. I'm a big fan of William Fickner in all his many, many roles. Uh, I don't think he's ever been bad in anything. And he is, lest we forget, the guy who shook the hand of the daughter of the bravest man he ever knew in Armageddon. So if for no other reason than that, he is great. Walton Goggins. Love Walton Goggins. Uh, He's been in tons of Sean Ryan stuff, but, uh, you know, also Chris's favorite from Ant-Man and the Wasp but people like Donald Logue like Lance Reddick really anyone from The Wire actually at this stage uh, Neil McDonough big fan of Neil McDonough as well uh, the list is long and distinguished uh, lots and lots and lots question. of good people yeah it mm. is a good it is a good question but I, I genuinely do do that like oftentimes like main like main stars and things are what will draw you in but sometimes it is oh great that person's in it that great character actor that'll make me watch it uh, I think oftentimes that is a good indicator of quality but Anyway, that is the answer to your question. I hope, Jono, that that has been informative and or possibly slightly entertaining for you. Uh, if you want your questions, comments or feedback read out on the show or possibly addressed in even greater detail on Pilot Plus, then please do send them to us on Twitter via DM at Pilot TV Pod or to me on Instagram at James C. Dyer. And if you want to send a voice note so that we can hear your dulcet tones instead of me reading them out, uh, then you can do that too. Right, shall we move on to this week's news? And I think the best place to start, Boyd, is what you alluded to earlier, and that is that Netflix have been on the fucking rampage again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1899 has been axed after one series. It was announced by the, the Perhaps creators. if they changed the date to 1839, right. it would have lasted. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. And um, I don't know if you finished, I, I don't know if I ever mentioned finishing 1899, but I, I finished watching it a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it has an absolutely mad, audacious ending, which kind of ties some things up, but leaves others absolutely open. And, and the whole plan but for the creators was to have a three-series run of, um, of 1899. Uh, but no, Netflix has said, absolutely not. We're stopping after one season. You know, people always think, oh, maybe they'll shop it to another service or something, but that hardly ever happens. And I think Netflix retains, has, like, I don't know, retains the rights to it all and it's really hard Netflix to get it. Netflix is so, so brutal, isn't it? Yeah. But it's a real I think it's really and there've been, you know, think pieces in some of the um like variety and Hollywood reporter people pointing out that it, it discourages because obviously they recently the bastard what's the bastard show called again? The um the uh, <laughs> The Bastard Son and the Devil himself. <laughs> that's it, the Bastard Son and the Devil himself. They they act that after one series that we really liked. Um I just think it discourages creatives from shopping their shows to Netflix, you know. And obviously Netflix throws a huge amount of money at these creators to to encourage them to go with them. But when they don't support bold, to use that my favourite word, genuinely kind of um, fascinating shows like this, like 1899, I think it's really depressing and I think it will put people off from going with them. Yeah, is it across the board though or is it specifically Netflix that is wielding the axe more than other platforms and streams? I think it's, I think it's Netflix more than the others. I, I mean, I, Prime Video has cancelled a few things recently but they often give them a second series like Carnival Row 
They gave a second series too, didn't they? And then it's ending. Hunters is getting a second Hunters. series. So they've cancelled it, but they've also given it a second yeah. series. You know, you think even just like a when when they cancelled, what was that? What was the um Wachowski's uh series that I really liked? Um that they axed years oh, ago. Oh Sensei. Yeah, Sensei. They gave that a two hour special to round it off with. They you did, know, at yeah. least at least give people a chance, you know, to kind of leave not tie up some of the loose ends, right? And there are plenty of loose ends, believe me, in eighteen ninety nine. Um, you know, you'd think when they when they announce these things, they could go, but you know, at least you'll get like a special film wrapping up, or I don't know something. <laughs> but, but no, mm. we're left hanging. They as just don't care. <laughs> yeah, and and they do seem. But in answer to your question, Kay, they do seem to do it more, I think, than Prime Video and the other and Apple. I mean, Apple very rarely. Apple kind of seem to give everything. That's what I can see. Run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But um, but then I I do wonder whether that's partly down to output. Like Apple don't have that many shows, so they stick with the ones they have. Netflix obviously have the highest output of any of them, and many of them put together. So I think it's maybe more noticeable because they have so many more shows. They do excellent. But but all of that side, you're absolutely right. They're absolutely slaying things left, right, and centre. And I think it's not just a case that, you know, showrunners and storytellers are going to think twice about going to Netflix because they want to be able to tell these stories in their entirety. But also, from a from a viewer's point of view, like, there's, I'm, it's almost getting to the point now where I'm like, if we start watching a Netflix show, am I going to watch the rest or am I going to wait mm. until they renew it before I watch the rest? Yeah. Because I don't want to sink 10 hours into something and then not yeah, know yeah, how yeah. it ends. Like That's really deeply irritating. And that was the one most annoying things about network television is that everything felt like a roll of the dice. Like you get really into something and oh, it cancelled, didn't get picked up, cancelled, didn't get picked up. And the streaming era was hopefully felt like it was going to be a, an antidote that oh well these things will actually be given room to breathe and they'll be given time to build an audience because they don't have to rely on these ad revenues but it turns out none of that is the case because netflix seems to be more brutal than any network that ever lived it's uh and i just find mm. that from my point of view like i i don't want to invest hours and hours and hours in a show if i'm never going to know how it ends you know if i'm just mm. gonna be left with it dangling like that's deeply annoying and totally and also totally gutting for the writers who've you know like worked so hard on this and and as you say with 1899 they had a plan for two three seasons that's you know uh, it's and the irony is that some of the biggest shows on netflix the ones that they spend a lot of money retaining like the seinfeld like a lot of these classic sitcoms they show seinfeld was terrible for the first three seasons famously and took a long time to bed in you know and people it got, it only built an audience after literally you know two or three years and then it became the biggest thing on TV. They don't allow anything now, that word of mouth, slow build thing. If a thing isn't, if a show on Netflix isn't instantly like in the top 10 of its most popular shows immediately, then they fucking get rid of it. And I think it's really depressing, really sad. And you can see with 1899, I think similar to the OA, um, going back to, of course, the most famous and egregious example of a show being axed uh, before its time. <laughs> but it's th- his deepest wound. Yeah, my deepest wound. It, they're clearly very expensive. Like that, yeah, absolutely. All of the money is on the screen. Like 1899 has lavish sets, brilliant VFX, like a huge cast, all speaking different languages, as we, you know, which may again may have contributed <laughs> to its demise. I don't know. But it's an absolutely beautiful looking show with a really ambitious storyline and, and concept. But that makes it even more depressing. It's like, well, you don't 
bother. You've invested all this money, time, and effort in the, the thing, only to let it go literally like a month, a couple of months after it aired. Just give it time. Give it time. So it's infuriating. Mm. It's infuriating. But what were they expecting? Is my question. Like, like in the nicest possible way, and as good as it was, eighteen ninety nine was never going to be this four quadrant crossover smash. It was always going to have relatively niche appeal. So if they were expecting it to suddenly bring in like billions of eyeballs, like that's mental. Like, of course it wasn't. That's not what the show was. So I don't quite know what the no, like, what's the issue did it not perform as expected like were they expecting like what what were their expectations for it i see this is the thing i it feels to me like netflix is so reliant on algorithms like for whether it comes to displaying shows I, I know there's this formula that they use which shows how much a show at what point in its lifespan brings in what amount of new subscribers and i know that they are kind of flapping their arms and running around the headless chickens a little bit because they're losing people but this shit isn't going to help like at all it might save them a bit of money but it's not going to help them as a streaming service and it's not going to help them in terms of loyalty and in terms of people actually thinking that they're you know a trustworthy source of entertainment like i do think it's really ill-conceived like it's between these guys and warners who obviously own hbo who are an another ones running around like lunatics but in a completely different way it does feel like everyone's in full panic at the moment so we don't know quite where we stand. And that's, that makes me nervous. That makes me nervous. It makes me nervous to invest time in these things. I mean, funnily enough, Copenhagen, Copenhagen Cowboy that I talked about that is that at the beginning, <laughs> I had to search for it to find it. Like they didn't even have it on, you know, on the that's day mad. it arrived, which is mad, isn't it? But, that whole, their whole, and also that's probably didn't a, make a big deal given, out of it. Didn't publicize given it. Given how much like, you hated it, it's probably a good thing, though. Yeah, I know. But this I know. Ain't kaleidoscope. Okay. These are things that just appear, and I know they yeah. have a strategy about this. I know they have this this thing where they actually think discoverability is important. People like to see like high quality things just appear in their feed. But if it doesn't get publicized and you have to search for it, exactly, something's it's wrong, right? It's right, and and they don't have because they've got so much stuff now. Like the poll publicity people, I feel sorry for them. Don't have time. Don't have time. And they're not given enough time to promote any of these things. So you're right. Yeah, that kaleidoscope thing just arrived. I know next week there's a um, Hirokazu Koreeda, who's this brilliant uh, director who won the won the Palm Door um, a couple of years ago, and he's and he's got a TV show in full. He's written and directed totally arriving next week. Nothing. Didn't know. I, the only reason I only knew about it is I saw someone tweeting about it. It's like I bet you don't know that this amazing director has a new show starting next week on Netflix. I went, no, I didn't fucking know about it because no one told us. So things like that. It's like don't. I'd rather they didn't make them almost than than kind of you know that other that other let Apple buy them or whatever because they will at least show it and you know promote it. Yeah. Apple, the Mosquito Coast, right, which ends this week. The finale is this week. I saw one of the cast on this morning, this morning. They're still promoting that show that kind of, I think, has gone by the wayside just because it's reaching its finale. Like, that's, that's good. That's what they should be doing, not just ignoring these huge big things. Anyway, I could go on about it for hours. <laughs> Really that could be a separate pilot plus. Yeah, yeah almost. Yeah. <laughs> Pay another two ninety nine or three ninety nine, and you can hear boy just wang on about Netflix for three hours a week. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, this is a whole business model that we haven't explored. Yeah. Um, right. Let's look at other newsy type things. What else has happened? I know neither of you will care that The Walking Dead Dead City is going to have a time jump in it. So if anyone, and I know I'm the only person alive who watched the final episode of The Walking Dead, apparently, but uh, but seeing where 
where it ended. I couldn't quite work out how Maggie and Negan were going to end up in New York because Maggie has a young child. I was like, this is the worst parenting ever. It's the apocalypse. And she's fucking off to New York with the guy who killed his father. This makes no sense at all. But apparently there is going to be a significant time jump. It can't be that significant. But you know what I mean? There will be a jump of a few years between the two. So I guess we'll find out what happened in that gap when uh, The Walking Dead, Dead City uh, airs. But I know neither of you care. So (laughs) what else has there been? There was some big news. Uh, Channel 4 is not going to be privatised. That's an important bit of news. That Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that shows that how mad it was that that absolute... I'm going yeah, to, was to insane. monitor my language. Nadine Doris, whose idea it was. It was literally <laughs> spite. You, ever, you know the last series of Kirby Enthusiasm where Larry David created a spite <laughs> coffee store just to spite his neighbour? <laughs> it's literally like Nadine Doris wanted to privatise Channel 4 out of spite because she thinks they're too left-wing and they slagged off the, to- the Tories a couple of years. You know, it's like absolutely mad of her when everyone was telling her it didn't make any sense financially, creatively, whatever. She still was obsessed with it. It was fucking embarrassing, but at least they have reversed that decision. Yes, I believe so, she yeah. has spoken out condemning the uh, vault mm. fast on this yeah. particular yeah. thing. Yeah, She's yeah, yeah. crazy. There's, there's lots of tweets yesterday about it <laughs> from her. Oh, dear. Well, yes, that is very good news. I'm very excited about that. Um, did you watch, did you guys, either of you, I know, I, I, Kay, you absolutely watched the Foundation trailer, didn't you? You were, oh. It was the first oh thing you God. did yesterday. I got so excited about it. I got up early, watched it, yeah. <laughs> oh, but like, fair New. play to them, though. Again, it looks like that cost more than half the films that came out last year. It's so expensive looking. Uh, but it looks amazing. I can't wait to have Foundation back. It's such a good show. I'm still, I, all I can remember about Foundation, and I do remember enjoying it, was that there was a sequence where, wasn't there, where the whole thing was blown up, a whole, like, space yeah. thing was blown up the launch caused the death of lift. Pro- like it's two like a space million lift. people or something how many million people yeah, yeah. and they're like it was a lot of people I? the body count was very high it was a lot of people it was the biggest body count moment in history of anything i remember thinking how actually would all of those people be killed by that thing but yeah i did enjoy foundation and i'll look i did but i didn't watch the trailer for the new series was it good no. Uh, no. Yes, it was. It was very good. Oh, I was very excited. Good. The other thing I wanted to mention very, very quickly is that the creators of The Last of Us, or I should say the showrunners, so Neil Druckmann, the director of the game and co-showrunner of the series, and Craig Mason, obviously who did uh, Chernobyl and who is showrunning this as well, co-showrunning this, uh, they've been doing a lot of press recently. And some of the things they have talked about is stuff they told me last year, which I kind of didn't say to anyone, but it's all now out there, which I kind of feel like I should probably mention, is that what's interesting is that they have now confirmed officially that the first season of the last of us which we will be reviewing next week covers the whole of the first game so the whole of the first game is the first season of the last of us which means season two is the second game the last of us part two and if you're into the games that's actually quite a big deal and there's lots to discuss there this is probably not the place to do that but that's 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 massive that's massive so this may end up being what i'm kind of curious about is they have said i think initially the rumors were they were saying oh there might be a few seasons of this but then craig Mason has also said the endings to him are very important and so he doesn't want to have this just sort of rattle on he wants to stick to the framework that they've got but then there are only two games so that maybe means there will only be two seasons we'll have to wait and see how that plays out he definitely didn't do a sequel to chernobyl though did he so i mean you know he did, no, there is no Chernobyl no. 2. It's a, no. No. <laughs> the real um, news. Yeah, the real news. I wanted to mention quickly, so did you see the news that Brian Cranston is doing a Super Bowl ad as Walter White? Did you see this? Absolutely. Yeah, I know, right? I think it's extraordinary. But, Ka-ching. Yeah, with the, but with the approval of the creators, obviously. 
Um, he will be in costume basically with that stupid fucking hat that he wore from throughout. It's yeah, and it's it's an ad for crisps basically for white cheddar popcorners. And yeah, the Super Bowl is going to be on in a couple of weeks. Obviously, ads for the Super Bowl are the biggest thing. Does on the he beast. say I am the one who pops? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, but I found that quite shocking and disturbing. And yeah, I think Super Bowl ads are clearly seen as like the uh, the home of advertising creativity in America. So people don't seem that bothered about it. But I was shocked. I tell you, shocked, oh, shocked and appalled. Yeah. Uh, is there any other news before we move on? No, there is Kay's no other news. Okay, she's she's over news. Okay, shaking her head. No, Kay is done with news. Okay, <laughs> fine. Well, let's go on to this week's reviews. And we begin this week with Sky Sci-Fi's Reginald the Vampire, in which Spider-Man's Jacob Batalan is bitten by the son of Mario Van Peebles and becomes an immortal night stalker, but, you know, with comedy. Uh, Boydie, does it suck? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, not, not in the bad way, no. This is interesting, isn't it? It's a sci-fi channel. Is it called Channel Original in America? And it's yeah. on Sky Sci-Fi here. And initially, it did remind me a little bit of Resident Alien. You know that, which is a sci-fi show yes. that we I remember Which reviewed. we did not enjoy. Oh, my God. It was so irritating. <laughs> it had that kind of smug tone to it that I find. And to start with, I did worry that this was going to go down that route of slightly self-satisfied, contrived, you know, spin, comedy spin on a genre thing. But to give it credit, as it wore on, as it wore on, that sounds uncritical, but as it went on, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more and more. And I do think Jacob Batalon is the, is the main role who's in all the Spider-Man films as the sidekick, the comedy sidekick character. He's very funny. He's really good, yeah. So, I mean, I think the whole, it rests a lot. I mean, he literally is in practically every single scene. Yeah. And it's all about him and his issues. And he's very likable and relatable, even when he turns into, spoiler alert, a vampire, which he does quite early on in episode one, so it's not that much of a spoiler. That's also, the whole it's point. literally the, the title, title of the show. <laughs> <laughs> the clue is in the title. It is in the title. Yeah. Reginald, I wonder, I'm does so, he become a vampire? That's <laughs> how so paranoid I am about spoilers. <laughs> even if it's in the title. So I enjoyed it. He, he was really good. Um, it's kind of like a teen comedy or, you know, mm. late teen comedy with vampire element. And it's not exactly, there's nothing original about it really, but I thought the tone was entertaining. And even though it's a ridiculous concept, obviously I kind of believed in his character generally and his behavior and his attitude and his, you know, the fact that he's worries about women and relationships and all of that. I kind of believed him generally. I think, and I quite like the idea that the vampires are all kind of like quite hot and good looking and, you know, yeah. beautiful and handsome and sexy and all that, except for him. And, you know, in, you know, with all due respect to him. And he's aware of it, you know. So I like that little idea as well. <laughs> um, I thought it was quite clever. So overall, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm not sure if it's got quite enough to keep me carrying on watching it, but I liked the first episode. I, uh, I agree with everything you said. Like, I thought it was entertaining. I think it all rests on him. Jacob being so he makes the character very uh likable and he's charming and um, for that reason you know like I was engaged with it because vampire you know shows up my bag I mean I don't know how this stand does this what makes this stand out in the vampire market um, is this like we're, <laughs> we're well, no, I mean because it, was, it seemed it was funny and his character he is very 
likable and stuff, um, which makes you want to root for him. I did think the one thing I wasn't on board with it, I just thought the fat shaming strand was quite laboured after a while. Um, you know, like he's a plumper character and like obviously this is the whole thing, you know, why he struggles with women and he gets bullied at work, et cetera, et cetera. All fine. But then the vampires, there's some vampire starts like talking to him about it and fat shame about it. And you know, after a while you just be like, okay, we've got that now. You can move on. It's interesting that the original, do you know the original book that it's based on, it's called Fat Vampire. So I think the whole- Oh, almost, really? Yeah. So I think the whole theme oh. of that is key to the whole kind of oh. conception of the show. But I know what you mean. But then I saw that, I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that was originally called but Fat Vampire. But the thing vampire. is, not, no one's going to like Google it, right? So it just seems- <laughs> well. It's it's an it's an interesting idea that the, the idea is that all vampires are like the mean kids from from high school. Like they're mm. all just really shallow, very beautiful twats. Like that's what undead life is in the show. Yeah, and he's this kind of funny, like likable character uh, who does not have the perfect body type as they do, uh, and so it's kind of he doesn't fit the mold for being the vampire. And so you've got this whole thing where he just works in this kind of uh, was it's like a slushy parlor uh, with. Uh, M. Haynes' character, Sarah, who he has a crush on, uh, and Todd, because they're always called Todd, aren't they? Uh, Aaron <laughs> Buchholz, who plays Todd, who's always like giving him shit. Uh, oh, and he, he works out the courage to ask her out with a little help from uh, from Mandela Van Peebles, uh, and then is going to go on a date with that and gets turned into a vampire. So, so you've got those threads. Are there's him navigating vampire life and trying to fit into this world he doesn't fit into as a vampire, and then him trying to balance that with this crushed on this 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 love that he has for for sarah his co-worker this is, the, the thing is i think you're both right it's 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 sweet because he's very funny and he's very likable and this it's why it works so well in the spider-man films like he's just a really really charismatic guy and he's just very funny and he's a great physical comedian as well which i think is often overlooked so i think with a bit with different casting this <laughs> this doesn't just doesn't work at all i think because of him it does work but even because i mean let's not mess about this is quite low rent like and it feels yeah, yeah. properly like oh christ like if it, i mean and i mean this with the best love in the world sci-fi sci-fi who made the expanse so i mean this with love <laughs> but this really feels like a sci-fi original <laughs> like yes. it has that whew, wow. it feels yes. also for a young audience a younger audience you know like it feels to me it feels like a younger audience kind of but show. you're right but yeah the the, the film making like the camera the, the lighting it was very basic wasn't it which i thought was a shame because not every some of their originals are, are, are perfectly well made but this one some absolutely of them, yeah. the expanse for example but some yeah. of them are not like this i hate to say it like this really really reminded me of forever night did you ever watch forever night no. Uh, which was oh my god forever night and i'm just gonna look up the exact year of it 1992 to 1996 <laughs> and it was about this vampire policeman called nick knight <laughs> and he was a policeman who happened to be a vampire and i watched it religiously it was great uh win davis as, as as detective nicholas nick knight <laughs> and it was so bad but genuinely it had that slightly lots of sort of neon lighting it had that slightly wicked which this does well has lot of magenta lighting for reasons i don't fully understand <laughs> and it really reminded me of that just in the way that it just felt rather ropey and it was vampire and it had similar lighting so it's directed by jeremiah chechik do you know what he's directed like he's directed uh, most famous for national lampoon's christmas vacation which you know 
say what you like about how fun that film was, but <laughs> its visual quality is not what it's you know, known for. I'll just say that. That's maybe Chris's favorite uh, Christmas movie. Uh, but yeah. uh, I mean, yes, yes. I mean, look, it is what it is. It's called Reginald the Vampire. If you're expecting it to break out of its title and indeed genre, you will be very disappointed. But it's quite sweet. So your mileage yeah. may vary. Like, it's certainly not the worst thing I've seen. Sweet, but won't be watching the second episode. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's yeah. not. It's not what I would call peak TV premium quality entertainment. And the has to be said, the other vampires are genuinely dreadful. They <laughs> are fine. They? Yeah, they really yeah. are. They really yeah. are terrible. So you know, make of that what you will. Nepo Baby Ma- Mandela Van Peebles is quite good. Nepo Baby Mandela. He is such Peebles. a. He's the ultimate Nepo Baby because he's not only is I think his dad is Mario Van yeah. Peebles, but his dad That's was right. Melvin Van Peebles. He's from two right. yeah. lines of Van Peebles film and TV he making is. people. Reginald the Vampire then, which drops on Sky Sci-Fi on Tuesday the tenth. Next we have we have the reunion on ITVX. Uh, which is a six-part drama adapted from the French novel La Jeune Fille et la Nuit by Guillaume Mousseau. Uh, and this centers around a group of friends, <laughs> a terrible secret, and a high school reunion. Kay, tell me, is this ITV excellent? <laughs> no, it's not, James. And I know you're going to relish that fact. As you, uh, when I was watching it, I was thinking of you just saying, oh, God, James is just going to be rubbing his hands together with glee. Uh, no, this is absurd. I just... <laughs> There's so much about this that I had a problem with, right? I just, okay, let me start from the beginning. There's so little character development at the beginning, like development into like these characters and their relationships and the dynamics that it's impossible for me, it was impossible to invest in them. So consequently, sorry, we should say, right, there's a group of friends who all went to college together. They're back for this reunion. One of the girls has gone missing out of the four 25 years earlier and is still, you know, they still talk about her. Where is, um, what's her name? Vinka. 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 Uh, they're always going on about Vinka. And um, so Thomas, playing by uh, Johan Griffiths and his friend Max, the two blokes are at this reunion and they're scared because they're hiding a secret, which is basically that they were the cause of someone's death. And is that too much of a spoiler? No, no, I think you're fine <laughs> no. with that. I think yeah. you're fine um, with that. Anyway, so oh, the I whole mean, they're reunion- making clear what's happening in the first episode. Oh, within okay. the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, within the first, this is that. This is my point, right? Within the first five minutes, they've covered off that this girl has gone missing. They've committed this terrible crime. Then it's just dashed off, and then it's current day, right? And you're expected to care about this situation. Like I've got to tell you, I do not care where Vinka is. I don't care what's <laughs> happened to her, right? And I don't give a shit if this if this secret of them killing this guy it comes out. And it's just a mess. It's just a mess. It jumps around narratively. There's too many flashbacks. Like, I think it should be made a law that you can only use maybe one or two per show, depending on if you've proven yourself. <laughs> like, because it feels like every other second it is flashing back. And yeah. And then the last thing I will say is there is a ridiculous scene where Thomas comes into contact with a young woman who is obsessed with Vinka, the opposite of me, and she is obviously off her trolley and, you know, starts banging on about the fact that Vinka's been apparently snuffed out by the patriarchy. Now, I personally don't care how she's been snuffed out, just happy she has been, (laughs) right? But the scenes that follow are so fucking bizarre. I was like, how has this got made? The heterodites. The heterodites. I mean, 
amazing. There's a it's cult. Wet. Yeah. It's so wet. That's what I mean. Come on, Kate. This is genius. This is like no, I think you're underselling the madness. For me, this show is like so mad and ridiculous and overwrought, particularly that when oh, when the heterodites, this like cult like group who worship Vinka and they dress like her <laughs> and they and they cut their hair like her yeah. and they have like parties in her honor where they're all sitting around in the room dressed like Vinka. Dressed like Vinka. It's <sighs> amazing. It's absolutely insane this show. And I think the whole like tone of it is so mad. I have to read you the the this is the official blurb is hilarious in itself. Right, an elite prep school frozen in the snow. Three friends linked by a tragic secret. One girl taken by the night. 25 years ago, the girl body was buried in the gymnasium wall. Yes, the same wall that's about to be demolished. Yes, there's a, there's a, there's a body in the gymnasium wall. Not even in the basement, just in the middle of the wall. Like, I was like, how can we work out the... the um... Also, I would point out that that official synopsis is factually inaccurate. Well, yeah. And I can't say why, but it no. is factually inaccurate. And that is true. Yeah, let's not spoil it. But this is like a... I, I genuinely... I, I was so... This is on ITVX, so... It, you know, it's it's streaming up, but I don't know. I I feel like ITV. I don't know if this is true, and I apologise to ITV if it's not true. But I get the sense that this is like a, <laughs> ITV put a little bit of money into this weird Euro pudding co-production because it's definitely come out in French. In French, I was looking at it on IMDb, yeah. and there's yeah. like a French poster for it called Le Jeune Fille la Nuit, and um, yeah, and it's I a French like novel. ITV, it's based on a French novel, right? It's based on a French novel, but the French series as well. It's like a French series as well, a lot. And um, I feel like they've suddenly got involved in making this weird, insane, demented show. Slightly regret yeah. it. And it then can never be shown. It, dumped it on it. Yeah. Slightly dumped. They need content every week on new content on ITVX. If the theory is, I'd be fascinated to see where they're, they're supposed to show everything on ITV in the end. I think that's what they said they would do. I can't see where no, they'd show this. this. It's too mad. This is not making it to ITV1. <laughs> no. This is not yeah. happening. It's no. too mad for ITV1. Um, but do you know what? It is so bad that I did enjoy it. It's so bad it's good. I do feel no. it's so bad it's good. I. <laughs> Are you I going am. on watching it? I want to know. There's five uh, episodes because it's like they've pretty much told you the whole story in the first episode. There's no mystery <laughs> left. I don't know what the fucking, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know what happened? Uh, it's mad. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, oh my God, the, the cast, like, there's some hilarious things. You and Griffith's parents are played by Dervla oh. Cohen and Rupert Groves. Yeah. They're literally like about two years older than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mad. That confused I, me. I, I, that yeah. scene blew my mind. It's like, I was like, who are yeah. these friends of his? And then he calls one of them dad. I'm like, yeah. what? What? <laughs> that is exa- I had the exact same reaction. No one in the whole production when they are <laughs> literally two years older than him. I think actually <laughs> the Dervlico might even be the same age as him. It's absolutely bonkers. And then the flashback <laughs> scenes to, to the high school, everyone in it is like 50. <laughs> there are 50 year old people yeah, yeah, yeah. in the high school. It's so mad. Oh but my don't God. you agree? There was just so many, too many flashbacks. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. But the whole thing is, yeah, I mean, everything has too many flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the least it's- of its worries. <laughs> 
<laughs> see, I'm, I was fascinated to see what you guys would make of this because I've got you've kind of gaslit me to the point where I just think that maybe everything on ITV is genius, and I just don't get it. No. Like maybe that's where we are with this stuff. No, but like, no, like and I watched this, and I was just like, genuinely, exactly as Boyd said, this is fucking mental. <laughs> like, there's the bit where these crazy doppelgangers. The uh, honestly, I was just like, what is happening? But all of that stuff was weirdly in the plus column. I quite like that it was mad. I quite <laughs> yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. For reasons, people are being played by the same actor, even though they're different characters. I'm not going to mention because it's spoilers. But it's like, what is this? But but the thing is, if you take all that out, the rest of it is just terrible. Because as mm. you said, okay, there's no character development whatsoever. She don't give a shit about anything. And then the bit there's like a, there's an inciting incident, which is the source of all their problems. Inciting incident, and the motivations between the character actors in that sequence are so wildly out of whack with anything resembling reality and you're just like this is demented it's so infuriatingly stupid that this character would behave in such an infuriatingly stupid way exactly and i won't reveal anything but the moment that happens and the other guy goes no need to explain to me i'm like of course you want to explain what did you not want to explain you lunatic (laughs) yeah it was maddening to me absolutely maddening yeah and i felt the writing was i hate to say it very unsophisticated Uh, and and i just mean in terms of like yeah, if, if you're going to do this, like, just <laughs> for the love of God, like, try it. I haven't read the book, so I don't know how closely it sort of cleaves to the source material. But I just think, you know, you've got to invest in these characters. We've got to care about them. We've got to be interested in the mystery. Bottom line is, not all books need to be adapted. Yeah, maybe that is the case. But, yeah. the, but the dialogue is so bad that you don't know whether, um, whether like, seasoned actors like you and Griffith are just being bad in the show because they have to spout this yes. terrible, terrible yes. dialogue. Or That's whether, genuinely the case. Yeah, I wanted to see, I want to see behind the scenes documentary about the making of this show where you're like, you, like <laughs> what are you doing in the middle of this mad thing? And <laughs> what are you parents, making me say? Dublin Cohen and Rupert Graves. Anyway. I never, <laughs> I never want to hear the word vinker again. That no, word well, over I will and over say, again. While I was watching this, there was a scene, and if you know, you know, there was a scene in a dorm room where I literally out loud just went, "What the fuck!" Yeah. Just, just, I just, I just to no one at all. I just had to. Yeah. I just could not. Even. Every every aspect of that scene comes a million across the whole series, yeah. the whole episode. I just was like, "What the fuck?" Constantly came into mind. Yeah, I do think though. I do think there is something to be said for if you live with a bunch of people or you have a bunch of people over. Oh yeah, you want a stupid That's night. What I'm saying. You yeah. could do worse than to sit down and watch this with a bunch of people because it's yeah. so insane. Yeah, I think you could probably have a lot of fun with it. Oh, completely. You need to have when a lot I of first, alcohol though. When possibly. I first watched it, tequila. I watched this- I watched this weeks ago before Christmas because of like heat deadlines and yeah. stuff. And as soon as I watched it, I was like, well, I can't, we've got to review this on Pilot Podcast because <laughs> it's so amazingly stupid. <laughs> well, so amazingly <sighs> stupid airs on ITVX. When does it air, Boydie? Uh Thursday. Uh, in Thursday. Fact, it arrives in full. It's everything does on ITVX, thank God. It's, it's all six parts of it. You can watch yeah. all six parts of it at once. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> right. We have one more to cover and find Finally, this week we have Welcome to Chippendales, and this is a limited series that first aired on Hulu and now finds its way to Disney+. It's inspired by the book Deadly Dance, colon, The Chippendales Murders, which should give you some indication that it's not going to end well. But this one stars Kumail Nanjiani as Steve Banerjee, the founder of The Chippendales, the famous male stripping act, uh, and also has Murray Bartlett, Juliette Lewis, Dan Stevens, they're all filling out the cast. So, Boydie, is this The Full Monty or a load of cock and balls? <laughs> 
<laughs> very good. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's fa- I, I'm fascinated by the story anyway. And you knew because it, it, it what's I knew something about the story. There's been a documentary, very good documentary, made about this whole thing. How unlikely it is basically that the Chippendales were essentially invented by this Indian American, you know, Indian immigrant. He only arrived in America in the seventies, I believe, um, played by Kumail Nanjiani, and he was like quite a kind of straight laced um, guy who initially initial idea to create his own nightclubs were nightclubs built around playing board games like backgammon. Backgammon was like, this. I'm going to do a, uh, I'm going to launch a nightclub where everyone plays backgammon. And the flaw in that plan didn't seem to occur to him. Um, there's quite a funny uh, montage in the middle where he tries other, he meets Dan Stevens by accident, who plays a real life character, Paul Snyder, who's a promoter and Hugh Hefner, friend of Hugh Hefner's in the Playboy empire. And he suggests other ideas for this nightclub that's not working. And there's a funny bit where they do mud wrestling. Um, oyster <laughs> eating is one thing they try and do. Competitive eating, by the way, is a huge thing in America, which is quite good, quite entertaining. Then they go to, an, they go to a gay club. Um, uh, Paul Snyder, played by Dan Stevens, and his girlfriend, who was Playboy model Dorothy Stratton, played by Nicola Peltz Beckham. Yes, Brooklyn Beckham's girlfriend, or wife, in fact. Okay, yes, wife. <laughs> It plays Dorothy Stratton, and they go to this gay nightclub, and he sees it's quite a funny scene where he sees these semi-naked men gyrating for, for the for the pleasure of the uh, gay men who are at this club, and he goes, "Oh, hold on a minute, we could have semi-naked men gyrating for the pleasure of women, and they will pay good money to come to my nightclub, and I'm creating the Chippendales." It's got that quite. I think it's self-aware that that storytelling is quite kind of cheesy borderline cheesy anyway like in all kind of biopics and you know based on facts extraordinarily based on fact stories there are often moments where they you know like literally like a light bulb lights above their head and they go oh yes i'm gonna i'm gonna take those male dancers i'm gonna create a club around them but i think it is aware that that stuff is quite comedic what's interesting is the whole dorothy stratton paul snyder story is very famous in itself and, you know, there was in, a, a classic film made, made about that story called Star 80 back in 1983. The whole of the first episode kind of is connected to that. So it's quite weird to have a really interesting, terrible, true story of this horrendous crime and that not to be the main story of this show because that's just the thing that happens in the first episode. And then from then on, it, it settles down into being the story of Banerjee and what happened with the Chippendales. And then the choreographer comes in, played by Murray Bartlett, as you mentioned. And it's still really fascinating. So I watched two or three episodes of this, and I think it is a really interesting story. I think it feels like a lot of episodes. I haven't finished it yet. There are in all eight. And eight. I feel like I'm not sure if I need eight episodes to tell this story. And I'm not quite sure how it's going to fill out all of those, all of that time and all that content i've got just enough content in the story but it is an amazing story it's very well filmed unlike the other shows we talked about this week this is properly it is cinematic it's well directed it's well filmed mm. brilliantly cast like every single character in the show andrew reynolds is in it from girls um etc uh juliette lewis is in it arrives um i think in episode two or three um so it's got this incredible cast it's very well made and it is in a really interesting show. So uh, Max Shackman directs the first few episodes. He directed WandaVision, etc. He's really good. He's really talented. 
So I, I would encourage people to watch it. It's definitely by far and away the best show of this week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but it's also interesting, isn't it? Because I don't know if you guys, I don't know how both of you felt about this. Like I saw Kumail Nanjiani, who's mainly known for his comedic acting, and also the tone with which this starts. Like It feels like, oh, this is going to be a, a gently comedic yeah. recounting mm. of this. But it's a true crime drama, is what this actually is. And yeah. I think as this series progresses, it becomes more and more clear, and frankly, even by the tail end of the first episode, you're starting to get the impression, this is not funny and while it's campy at times and a bit silly it's actually quite dark and a bit grim and seedy and quite gripping for it like hey what did you think did you know see i didn't know anything about the story so i went exactly as you said i was mm. lured into full sense of like oh okay this is just a bit of fun and like you know this hard-working guy i really like i thought kamal's brilliant as like that sweet hard-working guy with hugh hefner as idol and like ambitious but flailing in the business world but I didn't realise how dark it was going to get. And I have to say, like, I like the fact that I didn't know that because I thought it was going to be Min- Do you like at Minx, the uh, other show that was about the first woman's yes. erotic mag? Minx I thought it was going to be something. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was going to be <laughs> like that, right? But I just, I really enjoyed the fact that there was this extra layer to it in terms of the murder and corruption. But I have to, and it's, it is beautifully filmed, I think. Like, I just think they've got the real 70s LA vibe with all the music and the outfits and the coke field parties i thought it was all great and an incredible cast i was actually confused by the way that i didn't know that it was um dan stevens <laughs> took me a while oh, it actually did take oh, me a while as well yeah yeah i watched the whole of the first episode and some of the second and then i was googling the cast and i was like what that's cousin matthew from downton <laughs> uh yeah i was completely surprised the thing i would say is i think boyd's right in terms of i think this should be six episodes because i've watched three and it take like there's something that happens at the end of the first episode, which, you know, deals with the story of um, Dorothy and Paul. But then I've finished episode three and still they haven't got to the, you know, the bad things that happen, you know, in terms of Kamal being complicit in murder. We haven't even reached that. We're still dealing with the relationship with him and Nick DeNoyer, played by Murray Bartlett, because Murray plays the prestigious sort of Emmy winning choreographer. I can never say that word. And he's having like sort of a tug of war, power struggle with Steve. And it's building slowly and slowly and you see them slowly falling out and it hasn't got anywhere near to the main drama yet. So I, I would say I've already got a bit of fatigue, so I'm not sure if I will continue. And I think if they did it at six episodes, it would have been just the perfect length. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I, it, it feels like maybe it didn't be quite long as it was, but equally, it's a very well-made show and it tells the story very well. And I think, you know, from a true crime perspective, it's actually knowing that that's what it is. I think it's quite effective in that. It's just not as taut enough. I think, as you say, if, if it had been a little bit ratcheted up, cut some stuff out, make it slightly more uh, more taut, I think it would have would have worked better for me. But hey-ho, welcome to Chippendales then, which airs on Disney Plus on Wednesday, the 11th of January. There was a ton of stuff we didn't cover while we were off. So due to that, due to that, Pilot Plus will not feature one of the other shows that are out this week. And there are a few, which we'll get onto in a second. Uh, But instead, we're actually going to get into The Rig, which landed on Prime Video last week. And Boyd was going to riot if we didn't give that one the review it deserved. And we may very well touch on Our Flag Means Death as well, which finally made its way to our shores after an almost interminable delay just uh just at the very beginning of january so partly because both of those deserve to be talked about but mainly because breaking the pilot plus formula before we've even established the pilot plus formula is possibly the most pilot tv thing ever but that aside which we'll get to on pilot plus let's talk about some of the other stuff that is out this week boydie now quite a few shows are coming back 
this yes. week. Hunters, yes. as we've talked about, it's coming back yep. to Prime Video on the 13th. This is the second series of the Al Pacino Nazi hunting series. It has been cancelled, but I believe it does get compl- concluded with this second season, so it is still worth watching. Uh, Vikings Valhalla, the uh, sort of spin-off show from my beloved Vikings, that comes back to Netflix on the 12th. I am definitely going to watch that one, so be prepared to hear about that in the coming weeks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so That is more of a threat than a promise, yeah. and I apologise for that. Uh, and But Boydy, that's not the only returning show this week is it no uh, my favorite servant is back uh for its final season its fourth and final season produced by m night Shyamalan. i think it's the best thing he's ever done well i mean all right the first few films were pretty good the best things he's done for, for years and i have to say i've watched the first three episodes of the new season um i didn't check the review embargo so i won't but, but what i will say is the opening episode is a tour de force it's pretty much one sequence with um, one character being terrorised by the neighbourhood. Uh, I won't say more than that. It is phenomenal. So it really, it's really like they've gone, I felt like, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed every single season of this. There, you know, there was, it started out as a show essentially about how a, a, a woman, a mother gets over the tragic loss of her baby by, be, by having a lifelike baby doll. And then it turns into this whole thing about this um, mysterious nanny from a terrible cult. And the cult element has kind of taken over, really, of the whole show. And I, I love cult kind of based horror thriller type things. It's Every episode is meticulously, beautifully directed by a whole, cult, a whole group of different directors. They've clearly gone, right, the last season, we're going to ratchet the whole thing up. We're going to open with a bang. And honestly, this opening episode is phenomenal. And, you know, it carries on being really interesting. There's two new characters who join, a a duo of nannies who arrive as well, who are hilarious. It's got a very, very funny, dark tone to it that I love. So I'm really thrilled by The Return of Servant. I think it's brilliant and people will love this new series. Yeah, I think those are the main things that are returning. I also wanted to mention The Search Party, which is the absolutely brilliant kind of American cult comedy. Uh, with hipster New Yorkers kind of trying to find a, 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 their missing friend was the first season. That all arrived on BBC Three in the new year, and it's all on BBC iPlayer. So I remember people being asking about Search Party ages ago when we kind of were talking about underrated gems and kind of, you know, uh, things that don't get as much attention as they should. Well, that is a classic show that is all on BBC iPlayer now. Indeed. And there's another thing this week that we haven't talked about, which is Koala Man, which is which oh, is yeah. an adult animation which comes to Disney Plus, in fact, today, uh, on Monday the 9th, uh, and stars Hugh Jackman as Koala Man. Now, uh, this is one of these things, it's got Hugh Jackman in it. You think, we should absolutely review that, but of course, our, without Beth, our patron saint of animation here, there was no one to champion us doing... Sarah Snook is in this as well. Like It's not It's not just you know, Jermaine Clements in it, uh, Miranda Otto's in it, Hugo Weaving's in it, but I haven't seen it because it's an adult animation. <laughs> Don't know what to well, say. Anyway, Koala Man, uh, if you fancy that, is on Disney+. Plus. And they're not in it, their voices are, are, Sorry, boy. are, are in it. Because it's animated. Yes, I understand how animation works. Yeah, yes, you're right. you said they're all in I, I, guess it. I, just I understand. Like, I, I mean, they are in it. They're in well, the show. You don't physically well, see them because, they, because that's how cartoons work. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I understand. I was like, wow, Hugh Jackman's really <laughs> let himself go. Like, I don't know. He's got koala in it. It's that. really confusing. <laughs> you say that, but you must admit, of course, that you didn't realize this was an animated show until I told you it was an animated show. I so, mean, that's know. accurate. There that is go. accurate. Yeah. That is accurate. Just I was like, it's Hugh Jackman and he's a koala. And you're like, I'm pretty sure it's animated. Is it? Oh, okay. In which case, we won't watch it. We do get 
a lot of complaints, which we'll maybe we'll deal with them on a weekly basis on uh, on our plus, on our <laughs> oh, plus God, no. about how we we don't we're not up on animation. We are we are unfair. I totally admit we're unfair about animation. Hey, maybe you could you know maybe this could be your new thing that you get into animated shows. Absolutely and- not. Oh. Absolutely not. Yeah, I feel well. like like maybe we need to have Beth come back for animated shows. Yeah, just like, absolutely. Yeah. I think th- th- the ongoing problem is that 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 you know you've got me and you, boy. We, I mean, we're beyond redemption. Like we're not you know yeah. we're not standing for for the animated shows. So I feel like we're, we're letting something I down. Know. Maybe maybe what we'll do is maybe for the next one we'll force ourselves to review one. Like we'll say no, that's it. We're going to make yeah. ourselves review these shows. I mean, to be fair, I would rather watch that than some of the other stuff you forced me to watch fair uh, enough. last year. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair I mean, enough. Yeah. All right. Well, we will try and do better with the animated shows. Bearing in mind, Arcane was one of my favorite shows of, insert year it came out, 21? <laughs> I want to say 21? I think so, time, yeah. time had no meaning during the pandemic. Uh, but that was amazing, and that was animation. So, you know, I'm, I'm gradually being brought around. It's just that there's something about those Rick and Morty-esque, very kind of smug, sort of quote-unquote funny adult animations that I just can't be getting on with. Uh, but that's more me than anything else. Anyway, yeah. anyway, anyway. What is our pick of the week? The reunion, of course. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you killed you killed, yeah, killed Boyd. Uh, it's obviously welcome, Chippendales. Welcome obviously. To Chippendale, it is Chippendales. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the yeah. most that is hands down best show of the week for years. Yes, indeed, <laughs> it is. Right, okay. And if you want to hear a bit more about the rig, which is well, by the time we go out, this will be available on Prime Video, or indeed our flag means death, which is available on iPlayer now. Then to listen to Pilot Plus, which drops on Thursday. So that's it for this week's show. We hope you didn't miss us too much while we were away absence as they say does make the heart grow stronger and what better way to heart us than with a five-star rating on apple Podcasts or indeed spotify do please keep in touch with us as well on social media at james c dyer at carabera and at boyd hill not to mention at pilot tv pod uh, on next week's show we will be discussing a little series called the last of us which may or may not be completely brilliant plus there's <laughs> maternal on itv uh that 90 show on netflix and chemistry of death is on paramount plus to name but a few uh some combination of which we will be reviewing here on the main show and and some will make it onto Pilot Plus, which I don't know, but we will find out. Pilot Plus, of course, if I haven't mentioned it, you can subscribe for just one ninety nine a month over at <laughs> EmpireOnline.com slash Pilot TV. Uh, until, well, I guess until Thursday then, Pilot out. Mm.